Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. It's Friday the 13th. I know. We've had enough for 2020, so let's hope it turns out okay. Here's how we're making you smarter today. President Trump's election endgame. Plus, how vaccines could help the airline industry. But first, the business of childcare is today's one big thing. The pandemic has taken a toll on how much working parents are able to contribute to their jobs and the economy and take care of their kids. So now businesses are stepping in to fill the gap and save their own bottom line. Erica Pandy covers the future of work for Axios and has been looking into the business case for childcare. At this point in the pandemic, how are working parents who are also juggling childcare faring? I mean, there's one stark stat that will really just put it in context for all of our listeners. The average working parent in the U.S. right now is losing eight hours of work a week. So basically a full work day because they have child care responsibilities during this pandemic. What are employers doing to help parents out? Employers are realizing that they can't ignore this anymore because eight hours a workday means that their workers are not able to be productive. And what parents really need is flexibility. So a lot of companies, Bank of America and Deloitte are two examples, are giving families $75 or $100 of a daily stipend to spend however they want uh, as long as it goes towards childcare. So those are some of the options that we're seeing how, how companies are trying to step in and help. Erica, I imagine this is a very different story in this country than other countries when it comes to childcare. Right. I mean, the U.S. is the only country among its peers of, of developed countries that don't have kind of a federal standard for childcare. And we're really starting to see the effects of that now. And there is a lot that employers can do, but the, the big player really has to be the federal government. And there's a little bit of money for child care in the CARES Act back in March, $3 billion for daycare centers to stay afloat. But that just isn't enough. Long term, has the Biden-Harris administration proposed solutions to this? You know, we could start to see some of this change with the new president. Biden-Harris have said on their transition website that they plan to make child care and elder care more affordable. But then it also comes down to Congress. And that's going to be essential if you want to pass some major child care reform as well. Why do you think this matters? I bet there are people listening who don't have kids who think, why should this affect me? Right. I mean, I'm one of those people, right? I started covering this issue and I don't have kids of my own. But the first case for it is just empathy. Your colleagues and your friends are suffering and we, we should help them. But also, I mean, we should all care because this has enormous macroeconomic implications. According to a recent Barron's analysis, if we don't fix this childcare problem, working parents' lost productivity could cost the economy $700 billion. That's three and a half percent of GDP. Erica Pandy writes the At Work newsletter for Axios. We'll be back in 15 seconds with Trump's post-election strategy. Welcome back to Axios Today. The White House has been involved in a flurry of action this week, dismissing multiple senior officials at the Pentagon and the NSA with more firings and resignations expected to come. And while President Trump has falsely been claiming the election was rigged, last night, the Department of Homeland Security called the 2020 election the, quote, most secure in American history. That's why we're asking, what is the president's endgame here? 
And the woman with some of the answers for us is Margaret Taleb, our White House and politics editor. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Thanks for the softball question. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's start with this. Can we talk about the president's public strategy here with all these people who have been let go or fired? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important pin to put in all of this is that the president hasn't conceded. And in the process of not conceding, he has thrown legal challenges. He's prevented Joe Biden's transition from getting the full assistance of government that is normal when someone wins a presidential election. And so that is the backdrop in which these firings and replacements have begun taking place. What are you hearing from insiders about what he's actually trying to achieve here? People inside the White House and the administration who we're talking to see a combination of factors. One is settling scores with top officials who the president feels has crossed him in some way. Another is filling those roles with people who agree with him on policy issues. Then there is the two sort of broader narratives that we see emerging. And one is that the president is already planning for a life outside of the White House beginning in 2021. He has begun conversations inside his circle about how to launch a competing digital brand, Trump media, that would compete with guess who, drumroll, Fox News. And yet he won't concede. How long can this go on? Most people believe that the two most imminent points in time are going to be the week leading up to Thanksgiving, which is when secretaries of state need to begin certifying their election results. And if they do, that may put an end to this. And if they don't, then we'll know that there is another phase of this fight to come. But I do think in the last day or so, we have begun to slowly see even Republican leaders who are saying the president has a right to ask for recounts, but he needs to concurrently begin the transition process to protect government, public safety, and national security. Axios' White House and politics editor, Margaret Taleb. Since the pandemic began, airline travel is down 65%, and the airlines have laid off tens of thousands of workers. But this week's announcement about a potential vaccine could be what revives the airline industry. But first, they have to have the resources to deliver all of these doses around the world. Joanne Muller is based in Detroit for Axios, where she covers transportation. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Nyla. So it's interesting to think about the role that airlines would play when we have a vaccine and distribution. What are they saying about how much they can handle that right now? Well, the airlines are pretty much on their knees right now. They are going to be called upon to distribute these vaccines all over the world. And they have to keep the vaccine really cold. That takes a lot of money and not all airlines are equipped to do it. And then you add on top of that the fact that they've lost so many employees and one in four airplanes are parked right now because the demand is just not there. Joanne, does this inject some life into the requests to get more help financially from the federal government to airlines? Well, I think the airline industry is is very hopeful that this vaccine will actually be a shot in the arm for their efforts to try to get some more aid. But clearly the vaccine is both good news and a huge, huge logistical challenge for airlines. Joanne Muller is the author of the Axios Navigate newsletter. For four astronauts, tomorrow is going to be out of this world. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition, liftoff. Mike Hopkins will command SpaceX's first operational mission to the International Space Station. We have 
seen our rocket, we've seen our space vehicle resilience, and we've seen our spacesuits. And so for an astronaut, that's considered a pretty good day. They'll be conducting experiments like testing leukemia drugs and growing radishes in zero gravity. And this launch will be making history with astronaut Victor Glover set to become the first black American to live long term on the space station. It's surreal. There's a long legacy of people that have walked through these doors, and, and I'm just looking forward to, to being a part of that. You can watch the launch live on NASA TV, where they're expected to take off from the Kennedy Space Center at 7.49 p.m. Eastern Time. That does it for us. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Carol Wu, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Kara Schillen, and Naomi Shaven. Our mix engineer is Alex Sugiara. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer. Sarah Kehlani Gu is our executive editor. And special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Lital Malad and Jacob Weisberg. You can always write to us at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter at Nyla Boudou. And tomorrow, look out for a special Saturday edition of Axios Today, where our Hard Truth series tackles the issue of police officers in schools. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And you can always find the latest news at axios.com. 